Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back into another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we went, we went about uh, an hour and 45 minutes after the big win over Texas Tech. I don't think we'll go that long unless we start really diving in uh, really deep into conservative uh, play calling and, and things of that nature. But uh, good to be with you here on, on a Sunday. I know you've been up uh, late at night working for Golf Channel. Still got the official Golf Channel polo on, I see. It's orange, too. Did you ask for that specifically? I didn't ask for it specifically, but it was a nice little gift whenever it came in the mail. Oh, uh, yeah, I figured I'd, I'd throw that on since we're doing the uh, pod today anyway. And Ricky was close in Japan. But, yeah, PGA Tour in Japan makes for weird hours for those of us who cover golf. So this is the uh, the end of my workday, and I, I can't imagine I'll be awake for too much longer after we get done with the pod here. Well, yeah, you've earned uh, a much-needed eight-hour nap, 12-hour nap, whatever you can, can work <laughs> in there. And and we are live on YouTube on this Sunday. I, for our audio listeners, we go live after the games. We're going to try and do it right after some of the games, but scheduling just hasn't worked as of yet. Um, but we appreciate everyone that's joined in so far. We've got a few comments. So as you join uh, the live show on YouTube, don't hesitate to, to hop in the chat. We'll get to those as we go along. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's, and it should be bumping next weekend for uh, Texas coming to town. Uh, no rest for the weary for Oklahoma State. they got to get over this one pretty quick, and uh, there's a lot to get to here, Colby. So, again, we appreciate all the people that are in here right now, and hopefully more will join along the way. Colby, I'm not sure. When we do these, I'm not ever really sure where to start um, other than – I think we should start with how well the game began or maybe even some of the pregame stuff. You know, I woke up Saturday morning to a few texts asking if I had heard anything about Spencer Sanders. And I was like, I haven't heard anything. So then I started doing some digging, texting some people that uh, may or may not know. And sure enough, he was really banged up, had the shoulder issue. I even heard the ankle was bothering him a little bit. And early in the morning, it seemed like there's a real chance he wasn't going to play. And then I got further down in the weeds and a few more texts from other people that said that they were hearing he was going to play. And I, I just, I never envisioned him really missing the game. That would have been really drastic, I would think. And he obviously gutted through some, some pain in this game against TCU, but uh, there was a lot of uh, alarm bells going off before we even got to kickoff. Yeah. So then you kind of ask yourself, what's better? You're, you're back up out there trying to run the offense, simplistic, simplifying things uh or do you want Spencer Sanders at maybe 50 percent out there and I think that's about what he was watching the game I mean early in the game he had a little more pep in his step it didn't look like the ankle was bothering him as much but the shoulder I thought from the jump the first deep ball that he tried to throw I believe it was second drive down the right sideline to Braden Johnson way short and, and it just looked like that was about all he had on the shoulder uh and then he tried to throw a deep ball to Braden Johnson later in the game comes up well short so uh, I mean yeah yesterday morning I was asking myself well do you want 50 percent Spencer Sanders or do you want 100 percent Gunnar Gundy and the answer for a big game like that on the road is you want 50 percent Spencer Sanders and for a while it seemed like things were kind of working I, I mean we're, we'll get to the shutting down of the offense late in the third quarter and then throughout the fourth quarter but uh early on things were working well and 
you, you know, there was flow to the offense. There was rhythm to it. Quick hitters to Presley uh, earlier. I actually went back uh, and rewatched the first half earlier because I, the second half was still fresh in my brain, but I was trying to remember, I was like, what did Oklahoma State do so well offensively in the first half that didn't translate to the second half? Dominic Richardson had more space in the first half. Uh, you, you know, there were still some issues, but first half was a really good half of football, and then it just totally came undone in that fourth quarter, and it was a shame to see. But, uh, yeah, the rumors with Spencer were a lot. Never thought he would miss the game. He's just – he said it last week, I'm a tough MFR. He is. And, and if he can be out there at all, regardless of how hobbled he is, he's going to be. And, uh, you know, valiant for him to, to try to play, and it's unfortunate that it got away from him in the fourth quarter uh, and that he took the, the beating and went out there and gave everything he had anyway, and you still come away with the loss. Yeah, and I, I thought he looked fine to start the game, clearly. He had two really good rushing touchdowns, looked like vintage Spencer. Clearly the ankle wasn't bothering him at all. I, th- I think you're right, though, about the shoulder. Some of those throws, especially late, just were, were just coming up short. But when you look at the first quarter versus the second, Colby, and I think this is where you know my alarm bells were going off early in the second quarter because you build this 14-0 lead. And they just already were starting to go into that sitting on the lead mode in the second quarter. I mean, you just look at the the statistics just in the second quarter alone, Colby. They ran 18 plays for 58 yards. That averages out to about uh, three yard, 3.2 yards per play. Now, did TCU make some magical adjustments going into the second quarter? No. I thought Oklahoma State's Uh, offense really took the pedal off the metal. And that's something we've seen for years under Mike Gundy. We're going to get into that a lot. Uh, I just, I don't get it in a game, especially when you come into this game, Colby, knowing you're facing one of the best offenses in the country. We all know what Max Duggan and that offense has done uh, this season. You're not just going to be able to sit on the lead for, for three quarters of play. And they, they started to shut it down early in the second quarter and the, the numbers display that. I don't think TCU just shut down Oklahoma state. I thought they got uber conservative they were fortunate, I thought, to get away with it in the first half. That game was, you know, they were up, what, 11 at halftime? That, that could have been a tie game because the defense really forced them into field goals and, and, got, and stopped them on some, some key third and fourth downs to where it seemed like, Colby, to me, it wasn't a late game thing. It was like almost after the first quarter. It was like, oh, let's just hang on to this and, and, and ride this into the sunset. And you, you just can't do that against an offense like TCU. Yeah, that's interesting. I was chuckling. I read a uh, comment, Zach Taylor, on YouTube. Watching that game was a slow, tortuous death. Yeah, it was uh, It was a long afternoon, especially with the double overtimes. But, yeah, the, the first quarter, those first two drives, they go right down the field and really kind of made it look easy. And, Carson, the creativity. I mean, the double reverse back to Spencer. Braden Cassidy is wide open. Uh, you know, next snap. Snaps over center Spencer's head. He has to go fall on it 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that's another thing. We're going to talk about Preston Wilson because I did not realize how just valuable Preston Wilson was until he went away. Uh, So we'll get to that a little bit more here in a little bit. But then, you know, awesome touchdown run by Spencer on the first drive. Second drive, they march right down the field. Spencer jukes a guy into the end zone. Doesn't even take a hit. Looks like he's going to get just lit up at the goal line. Whoop. Nope. We're in easy. And then it's like they just – Shut it down. I, the creativity, I don't know where it went. After after the first quarter, it just really became a whole lot of just predictable, just turn around, hand it to Richardson. He's running for two, three yards. You know, if Spencer does drop back. There's two guys in routes 15 yards down the field. Not a lot of options. Offensive line's not giving him enough time. Uh, still some snap issues yesterday. It just, it, it all went away after the first quarter. And Carson, I really felt like, as a, as a staff, 
you have to coach around injuries, right? Like there, there's problems with the injuries, but you, you cannot shut it down. I, I really thought that there was a decision made at the start of the fourth quarter, Carson. Oklahoma State's up 30 to 16, and they're getting the ball back with more than 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They, they hold TCU. TCU punts on Oklahoma State's side of the 50, down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma State gets the ball back around their own 10, 11-yard line, and I thought a decision was made right then and there. Okay, we are either winning this game with 30 points or we are not winning this game. I thought the Oklahoma State coaching staff decided at the beginning of the fourth quarter, we are done scoring points. We're going to win this game with 30 points. That's what we have right now. That's all we need. Let's just stay at 30 and not let them get there. And I just, man, I can't get behind that, uh, that idea. Colin Cook on the YouTube says the 2021 defense created a bad habit. And he might be onto something there because last year when Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper and Christian Holmes and all those guys on the back end in the secondary, McAllister, Harvell Peel, Sterling, all those guys, when those guys were out there, guess what? You could get to 30 and you could be up two touchdowns on the road in a conference game against a good team. And if you're up two touchdowns, that, that game was over last year. And I, I really thought that game was coached yesterday like Malcolm Rodriguez and Delvin Harper were about to take the field, and they weren't. Uh, so you, you just sit on your 30 points. You start giving it back to TCU. Defense looked exhausted late in that game. They couldn't tackle. They were getting outrun. 104 plays last week. I don't know exactly what it was yesterday. Um, also, shout out to TCU for an incredibly well-designed stadium that left their players in the shade for about 80 to 90% of the game and had Oklahoma State baking in the sun. They actually did the deal on ABC where they took the thermometer and it was like 23 degrees cooler on TCU sideline. And, and look, they were better in the fourth quarter. They were much better. But I don't know about you, Carson. It looked like a conscious coaching decision that they were either going to win that game with 30 or they weren't going to win it. Yeah, it certainly seemed like their mindset was more, let's gain a little bit of field position. That way we can pin them deep again with Tom Hutton more than let's go score now and put this game away. And I, I went back and watched it too. And just the stark difference, I don't know if you remember this when you went back and rewatched it. The, the, the last drive they had that led to a field goal, I think they put them up 13 or 30 to 16 or whatever what that score was. The first two plays were play action, pass, uh, kind of a deep out to Brennan Presley. First down, the next very next play, play action, dump off to Dominic Richardson, another 10, 11, 12. Like for me, this game was lost with their first down play calling. Uh, let's see here. Uh, OSU tailbacks gained just 26 yards on 13 first and 10 runs. And I think, Colby, every time you and I have been frustrated with the offense at Oklahoma State, it's the predictable handoff up the middle on first down to where you're already behind the chains. And, and I'm fine with running it on first down, but they seemingly ran inside zone to where Preston Wilson no longer was right up the middle for the duration of the second half. I'm okay if you want to run it on first down. But they, they really failed in just their technical scheming. And, and Mike Gunny mentioned this throughout his press conference. They were better scheming than us. Well, you're not, you don't have your starting center. Why are you running inside zone up the middle into the teeth of TCU's defense when it clearly hasn't worked the entire game? What I would have liked Colby is, look, we all like Dominic Richardson. He played well at times in that game. He's not a burner. You got to get – I wanted Nixon out on the edge, some outside zone. They just – they never quite mixed it up because, like, look, you're going to have to run the ball some on first down. You're going to have to run the ball in general. That's what TCU did so well in the second half to win the game. I, I understand those things, but you have to try different schemes 
to manipulate your running game when it's struggling. The offensive line was struggling, but they were still trying. They were still blocking guys. They just, I thought the schemes were horrific in the second half. Get Nixon on the outside, pass it to him. I mean, they, they tried to, and Nixon had the one that went through his hands on the deep ball. I'm just saying, Colby, the lack of imagination in the running game and the lack of adjustments in the running game that TCU clearly made, they found some really good schemes and some gaps in OSU's defense. A lot of that might credited to the number one, the wide receiver, Quentin Johnson. He, he takes a lot of attention that helps you run the football. We all know those things. But the lack of imagination is what I had way more of a problem with than once I went back and rewatched it than just labeling it as conservative. I want to be clear. you got to give TCU's defense credit. They thought they played pretty well at times. But the lack of schemes, Colby, in the running game, I thought spelled the end for OSU. Yeah, it, it really did. You can be creative while running the ball. It doesn't have to just be, okay, we're in the pistol, we turn around, we hand it off right up the middle. It doesn't have to be that all game long. And I'm glad you brought up the other backs. Carson, what good are these change of pace backs if you never change the pace? If you only give TCU one look for four hours in the running game? What good is Jaden Nixon if you're only going to use him as a kick returner? He's great as a kick returner. Guess what? He's pretty good as a change of pace back too. Ollie Gordon, where's he at? Where is he at? I don't get it. I don't understand why you have these change of pace backs and you don't use them. Carson, last week, Oklahoma State, one time against Texas Tech, ran the jet flip successfully on a two-point conversion. Why didn't they ever make TCU defense sideline to sideline yesterday? They didn't do it. They did it early. Quick little screen to Brennan on the first drive. Quick little curl to Brennan. Curl to John Paul Richardson on the second drive. They were kind of doing some of that stuff. Why was there no jet flip, no jet sweep to Brennan Presley the entire game? TCU was only having to defend Oklahoma State's run game inside the hashes. If TCU put all their defenders inside the hashes and Oklahoma State ran the ball, boom, that's one yard, you're second and nine. And that was all game long. One yard in between the hashes, second and nine. All game long. And another thing that bothers me, I mean, look, Spencer Sanders goes out there yesterday, starts the game off great. Spencer Sanders was outgaining TCU's entire team at about the midway point of the second quarter before they really kicked it into gear. And then all of a sudden you look at the final box score. So the box score watchers who don't watch the game are going to come in. They're going to go 16 of 36 for Spencer Sanders. Carson, Spencer Sanders always starts getting criticized whenever the coaching staff starts putting him in third and nines for an entire day. That's when Spencer starts getting criticized. And then late in the game, uh, I can't remember, maybe it was the second to last drive. Maybe it was the last drive of regulation before they took the knee. It's like third and long, and Spencer drops back. I think it was third and eight. Oklahoma State's got two guys out and out running routes. They're both 15-plus yards down the field. There's no outlet. There's nothing underneath. There's no quick out to, to Brennan, to John Paul Richardson, to these guys who you can get the ball in your playmaker's hands and see if they can go do something, even if you can get it to fourth and one, two, or three, and you can maybe go for it and have a chance to win the game. I don't know if you do it there anyway, but – Again, there are ways to be creative with your personnel. Why does Brennan Presley end up with five touches in that game yesterday? Five touches for Brennan Presley when your offense just isn't moving the ball and you can't get it to him. And by the way, from what I watched earlier, I'd have to go back and count the whole game, but I know for sure that three of Brennan's four catches came on the first two drives of the game, which means from the midway point of the first quarter until the end of the game, you did not use pretty much at all one of your best offensive players. You just didn't use him. And look, we, Carson, we have thrown so much praise at this coaching staff, and it has all been deserved. Every bit of it, I don't take one bit of it back because they've been awesome at maximizing their talent. And then yesterday, they just didn't do it. 
And, and I don't know where the disconnect was. What was it? The injuries? Was it playing this coaching to the scoreboard? I, I don't know what it was, but the fact that they could not find a way to get the ball into their playmakers hands at all was really disappointing. And it was, it was a tough few quarters to watch as an Oklahoma state fan. Yeah, and I think I think Blade J in the comments really hits what I wanted to touch on was he says a theme I've seen this year is the offense is phenomenal in the first half and they fall off in the third and fourth quarter. And I don't think that's a coincidence at all. And I think it has far less to do with other teams making adjustments at halftime. I think it's an overall mindset. And I, I do think this is just who Mike is as a coach is when he builds a lead – he wants to play it conservatively, punt, and make the other team earn it. The problem here is TCU's offense is good enough to go earn it. And I thought the defense for Oklahoma State played phenomenally. And the final box score is going to look bad, and people are going to go, ah, see, there's OSU, can't play any defense. Well, it doesn't tell the story of how that game played out. The offense completely hung them out to dry. I mean, going into that fourth quarter, they had played unbelievably well against one of the best offenses in the country. And all they needed – was OSU to go score just, just one touchdown, just, just one, and I think they would have salted the game away. So you leave them out there for a majority of the second half and the baking sun that you, you referenced, and I think the reason Oklahoma State is just lights out on offense in the first half is because they are, are running their offense. They're not, they're not just you know pulling all their tricks in the first half and then like running out in the second half. I don't believe that, and it's not true. The fact is – there is no killer instinct whatsoever from Mike Gundy when he gets a two-score lead. There's just not. He's like, oh, job's done. Let's just salt this away. Well, you can't do that in the second quarter against one of the best teams. And that's been a, a theme since – I've had thoughts of the 2011 Iowa State game. They were up huge in that game in Ames. And what happened? Let's take, let's take, the, let's take the pedal off the metal. Let's just – let's not do anything crazy. Let's just let's – just, Let's just coast this baby into the dock and, and, and you know, drop anchor. That's just not – that's not winning football. And that's not Oklahoma State football. Those Brandon Whedon teams, if they're allowed to, blew you off the field. How about that 66-6 to game in Lubbock? Did they start handing it off tackle in the second quarter in that game? No. They put the pedal to the metal and blew them off the map. And that opportunity was there in Waco. That opportunity – and it worked. So you – I guess you can't criticize that, but there were opportunities to blow that game wide open against Baylor. They got conservative, hung on and won. It bit them here. You have to go for it. You have to step on their necks and finish them because this, and we knew that that's the most frustrating thing for me about the whole game, Cole, because we knew this going in. We knew that this was going to be a back and forth offensive football game. And you did so well to start and you just don't, you just don't continue doing the creative, successful things. I mentioned the, the play actions and the dump-off passes on first down to keep TC off balance. All that being said, Colby, I do want to mention TC was better than I thought defensively. Even the, like the touchdown catches for Oklahoma State were hard. Some of those key third-down catches were hard. Their, their defensive backs were all over OSU's receivers. I thought they played really well and, and made life tough on OSU. I'm not saying it's easy to just go score every time you have the football. But I thought they made it easy for the TCU defense, too, with the way they called the game in the second half and even in the second quarter. Yeah, I think they did. But I want to circle back to something you said there about OSU's defense, that the offense hung them out to dry. If I'm Derek Mason and the OSU defense, I'm not real happy today because OSU's defense is getting ripped. 
today. They are getting ripped for what happened in that fourth quarter and in overtime when it just looked like, I mean, there's no way that they're going to get a stop. Uh, but like Eric Barr messages on YouTube, he said the defense couldn't tackle the entire game, not just in the fourth. I don't think I agree with that. I mean, you look at Oklahoma State's defense. They, they gave up 13 in the first half. All they gave up in the third quarter was a field goal. I mean, TCU's averaging 46 points a game. And in the fourth quarter, you have the ball in the fourth quarter. TCU got 16 points. Oklahoma State bent a little bit at times in those in the game. They didn't break. They were getting stops down. When, whenever TCU would get inside the 30, they would get stops, force them into field goals. I thought OSU's defense played pretty well until the fourth quarter and over. Fourth quarter and overtime, I thought they looked gassed. I didn't think they could tackle. And let me get to the next big coaching decision that I was losing my mind, Carson. I, I thought I was going to have a seizure. You score in overtime after converting the fourth and nine. Carson, everything has been going wrong for two hours. You can't move the ball. You can't stop them from moving the ball. Nothing good is happening for you right now. And I am screaming at the TV. We're in a watch party in Stillwater, buddy of mine's parents' house. I am yelling at the TV. You have to go for two. You have to go for two. Because at that point, guess what? There was a 100% chance that TCU was scoring a touchdown in that second overtime. 100%. They couldn't be stopped. And guess what? Your offense has been sputtering for two hours. Go for two. Risk it. You get two yards, you win the game. You don't, you go home. Because guess what? You're losing in the second overtime anyway. You're taking the ball first. You've got three downs. They've got four. They're already beating you around. Go for two. This is not Captain Hindsight. I'm screaming at the TV. I'm pacing around. I can't sit down. I am beside myself because they won't go for two. And what made it worse, Carson, is last night I watched Kyle Whittingham at Utah. And you know what Kyle Whittingham does? Kyle Whittingham goes for two. And they win the game. Stop being scared. You were never going to win in second overtime. Go for two. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the more obvious, I thought, chances to, to go for two. I mean, you're you're hanging by an absolute thread. The, 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 that was like the perfect opportunity to go for it. And look, I, I know Mike, he said, you know, once you get to the second, third overtime, you have to go for two anyway. But like, you were running on your fumes, fumes at that point. So I, I totally agree. And I, I think that's something he'd probably like to have back. And, and look, uh, someone commented that uh, they didn't agree that the defense played well. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, I disagree with that. And I think it's all relative. Like you look at, if you just sit there and look at stats, yeah, they, they, TC ran the ball really well, but I thought through two and a half, three quarters, they did really well against TCU's running backs and their entire offense. I mean, it's all relative because, like, they're not facing Iowa State here. They're facing, by all the metrics, the most efficient offense in the entire country. So when you judge it on that and you look at the, the amount of points they'd given up to that point, they played really well. I don't care how you slice it. To force them into field goals the way they did, when even when they gave up some yardage, I thought they did as much as they could, and the dam just broke in the fourth quarter. It just it did, and, and you got to again, you got to give TCU credit. I thought their defense played very well against OSU's offense, and Quentin Johnson is just a problem for everyone. I mean, that guy is going to play on Sunday. The second he leaves TCU, he's playing on Sunday, and I thought he, you know, it was frustrating the way he's able to make guys miss because he Colby he's so big and he's shifty, but like you can almost see his jukes coming like two seconds before he does them and the guys still are able to miss the tackle. Just, he's just a, he's just a really good football player. I thought he, he was the biggest difference. I think he really Mike hit on this a ton in his post game presser that 
having to account for him really opens things up for the running game. And that's where I thought OSU's defense really kind of failed at the very end in the fourth quarter was they just weren't able to stop the run against a good running back in Keandre Miller. And that's kind of how it goes. I, I thought OSU lost the game well before that, though, with the way they, they coached in the second half on offense. Yeah, I think so, too. I, uh, I got a text from my wife. I'm under strict orders not to wake the baby. So maybe we don't talk about the two-point conversion decision anymore. Uh, yelling. <laughs> apparently the baby is napping, so we're not going to talk about the two-point conversion anymore. It, uh, yeah, it, it was tough there in the fourth quarter. It, it just got really bad. Um, also, credit to TCU, man. I mean, a lot of times you make mistakes like this, and the other team doesn't capitalize. They make a mistake. You know, Duggan throws a pick, something like that. TCU was rock solid and Quentin Johnson my god I mean that dude was unguardable Jabbar, a couple times there were breakdowns there were breakdowns where I mean clearly the one wide open touchdown it, it looked like Jabbar Muhammad thought that he had Jason Taylor's help over the top Jason Taylor like showed blitz and then took the running back out in the flat they were just confused that happened once or twice I mean Jabbar Muhammad at times covered him well did a good job that dude's just a freak. I mean, he is tall. He is fast. He's quick. He's shifty. Good hands. Uh, he is a good, good receiver. Eight for 180 and a touchdown yesterday, and that doesn't come close to matching what he did against Kansas a week ago. He's just an absolute monster. Uh, and, and TCU down 30 to 16, nothing going well all day, and then they're able to just absolutely kick it into gear in the fourth quarter. They're like, oh, cool, a little bit of momentum. We're going to take that and run with it. I, I do think, Carson, uh, sometimes we get so lost up. We get so caught up in our team losing the game. And, and when I say our, I just mean anybody, a sports fan, pro, college, high school, whatever. You know, your team lost the game that you don't realize there's 11 guys on the other side who played pretty well in the fourth quarter in overtime. TCU is a good football team, Carson. I think if, if I were making my Big 12 tiers right now, I would have to put the undefeateds. Am, am I still – you still got me? I just lost audio. All right, I have to put the undefeateds uh, at the top of the Big 12. Uh, it's just a headset issue. I'd put the uh, undefeateds at the top of the Big 12s, TCU and uh, Kansas State remained undefeated, didn't they? I think they did, as far as I know. Yeah, they I think so. Yeah, they didn't play this week. Um, yeah, so I would have to put TCU and Kansas State at the top as the undefeateds in the conference. Uh, and then the tier below them is probably OSU and Texas. I think everybody else is probably in the next tier. Nobody's truly terrible. Everybody's kind of hanging around. So, uh, yeah, this one hurts for Oklahoma State because now, Carson, you look at the schedule. This is a just a brutal four-game stretch for Oklahoma State where they had they were at TCU yesterday. Texas at home, and then they go at Kansas State, at Kansas back-to-back, and Kansas doesn't look uh, like they did a few weeks ago, but that game still won't be as easy as it's been in years past. Well, they're going to get their quarterback back just in time for Oklahoma State, apparently. Apparently, Jalen Daniels might be back for OSU. Love it. Perfect timing. That's just what I was hoping for. Uh, And then the the last three-game stretch is Iowa State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. West Virginia just beat Baylor. Iowa State's lost four games by a combined 14 points. There's just not a lot of let-up in the Big 12. Somebody asked on YouTube if we still think Oklahoma State makes it to Arlington. Carson, I think that they have to, worst-case scenario, win two of the next three. If they can win two of the next three against Texas, Kansas State, and Kansas, uh, I think that they still get there because I think that they will win their final three. That would get them at 10-2. and But I think that you need to be 10-2 and to get into that championship game. I think Oklahoma State's still in a a really good position. Like, look, I I think there's a good chance they might end up playing TCU again in in Jerry World. With Baylor losing at West Virginia, they have a lot of ground to make up. But it's not going to be easy, and you're certainly not going to go to Manhattan and win – trying to run the ball up the middle on zone inside zone and expect to just run it at will with Dominic Richardson. It's not happening. So 
they've got to figure out the running game. It's been a problem. You know, they've, they've gotten away without it, you know, most for the most part this year, but it's, it's been a problem. It's been lingering and it, it came back to bite them. And I think most of it has to do with clearly that the injuries hurt. Not only did uh, Preston Wilson miss this game, Eli Russ was hurt at, at points in this game as well. They had some injuries and that, that certainly played a factor. They couldn't block at the end of that game. That's another reason, you know, Mike had one play to win it. I think you got to go to it because they were not blocking consistently. Draw up one of your plays that you know is going to work, that you've had in the bag, and go win it. But, no, it's it's not going to be easy. And um, I don't know. I, my confidence isn't shaking. Because, again, look, they, they controlled most of this game just like they did in Waco. They just, for whatever reason, took their foot off the gas. And I think Spencer was banged up as well. If they, if they get Spencer back to full strength and, and Preston Wilson, I think they're definitely playing in Jerry World. But I think a lot of it has to do with Casey Dunn, Mike Gundy, you know, just going for the jugular, not not taking the foot off the gas. That's That's been a huge problem. What do you think, Colby, about – so, Sonny Dykes, if you watched the game <laughs> against Oklahoma – I'm going back to when they beat Oklahoma. They're, they're up on OU by, like, four touchdowns. And the dude is just losing his mind for, like, the whole game. It's like, what, what's this guy so upset about? And then – against Oklahoma State in the first half, he clearly doesn't know the substitution rule. For some reason, he thinks OSU has to, like, sprint off the field. They do not. OSU's been doing this for years. And he just loses his mind. And then in his halftime interviews, like, we're going to – they're going to – he's like, they're going to go talk to OSU and get that sorted out. Like, And then the refs do that. They basically – they flagged OSU late in the game for offsides when they're just doing what they've always done – following the letter of the law, the substitution rule, and the Big 12 refs time and time again screw it up, and they did it again, and that it really cost OSU. Like, that was a huge factor in slowing down TCU's offense. It's legal. If you don't want, if you don't want Oklahoma State's defense to do that, don't sub. Problem solved. You were subbing. OSU wasn't allowed to do their substitutions. It was a total joke, a total farce, once again, from the inept Big 12 officials. It was a total joke. Mike Gunny well, called it a train wreck after the game, and it was. Carson, it's a complete changing of a rule mid-game. They just changed the rule mid-game. The rule is the rule. If you do not want Oklahoma State to do that to you, 20 seconds. That is your number. If you substitute with less than 20 seconds on the play clock, that's your fault because you are prepared as a coach with your guys ready to go in the game as soon as that previous play ended. You are ready to go. Okay, you want to sub with 14 seconds left? Congratulations. You're going to either back up five yards or you're going to take a timeout because you weren't ready and you did something dumb. You substituted with less than 20 seconds left against Oklahoma State. You can't do it. But then for the officials to change the rule, I, I mean, I'm watching it in the second half, Carson. Our guy runs on. Okay. Other guy starts to jog off slowly, same way as always. And the official just walks away from the ball. And I'm thinking, what are we doing here? And then it kept happening. And then Oklahoma State gets offsides penalties. I, did it cost Oklahoma State the game? I don't know. I, I, I can't go back in a time machine and figure out what would happen. Butterfly effect if uh, TCU ends up losing a timeout here or there, gets costed five yards. But it's the principle of the matter. The rule is the rule. The coach can't just lose his mind and then you change the rule mid-game. That, that is not how it works at all. I was incredibly disappointed in that. And, and I wonder if there will be any any sort of comment whatsoever from the conference or, uh, I mean, I know Gundy mentioned it a little bit, but I, I just feel like somebody from the conference has to say something. I don't even know what, but you got to say something to let us know why the rule 
the substitution rule was just changed at halftime of the OSU TCU game. That's my whole issue with it. Like you got to be consistent with that. And there can't be, it seems as if TCU was arguing a gray area and the referees decided to walk into this gray area and enforce it. Like, I just – I don't understand how you can change that mid-game. And Gundy said it was different the last two weeks than it's been in, in years. So, clearly, Mike needs to meet with the officials or, or the Big 12 offices need to need to get come together and figure out what the heck they're calling because you can't you can't change a rule midway through the game. You're right. So, I thought that was a, a, a total joke. But, again, I, I thought TCU, their defense played much better than I thought they would. I thought Oklahoma State was going to be able to name their number, and I think – you got to give TCU a lot of credit. This isn't all just OSU's doing. I thought they they really came out and played well. And again, they got Texas at home next week. That's going to be a really tough game against a good team that's playing really well with a good quarterback and Quinn Ewers. And we'll see where it goes. But again, I was I was the, the game was really playing out like I thought. I thought OSU was the better team in all three phases, and that was exactly what had happened through three quarters. And just it was one of those games on the road where I think. I think they panicked a little bit as, as, as a coaching staff and it kind of went away with what, what got them to that point. And that's, that's something that it stings. But again, we, we didn't, Colby, you've been hammering this point home this whole time is we didn't really expect Oklahoma state to go undefeated. I mean, that's, that's nearly impossible to do as a football team. Just look at Alabama losing to in, down in Tennessee. So, but I tell you what, Colby, they, they got to figure out the running game. That's my number one concern moving forward. Is that, is that yours? Uh, yeah, that's my number one concern because, again, depending on how healthy Spencer is, they clearly in the second half and late in that game weren't real comfortable with him getting out and getting after it. Um, so, yeah, I think that you've got to figure your running game out. I think part of it is creativity, uh, getting some jet sweep stuff, making teams defend sideline to sideline in the run game. Part of it, Carson, I, I think Dominic Richardson's a really good back. I think Dominic Richardson should be getting the bulk of the carries in this offense. But I think you've got some really good complementary pieces that you're just not using. You're just not using. Three carries yesterday for Jaden Nixon, 15 yards. One touch for Ollie Gordon. One. I, I just, you've got really good complementary pieces that you're not using, and I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Uh, you Use your guys. I mean, that's 22 carries for Dominic Richardson for 72 yards. If we have to take six away from him to give Jaden Nixon three more and Ollie Gordon three more, I'm here for that because I think that that benefits your run game. Yeah, Nixon had a run there kind of late in the second half to the edge, to the outside, and, and had a really nice gain out of it. And he, as you mentioned, he averaged five yards a pop. So I, I do think they need to – especially late in the game, like fresh legs. Like it just, it makes too much sense not to utilize the entire running back room. And, and I think even, even Dominic would tell you that, you know, Nixon and, and Ollie, they got a little more juice. I think, I think Richardson's probably a tougher runner than those two, but they got a little more juice. And that's something that the running game needed with the injuries they had on the offensive line. And so let's, let's answer some of the, if you have questions, just message us in the chat. Uh, someone said the, the, uh, Jack Vernon says the AP poll drops in 30 minutes. How far does OSU fall? Well, considering they were moving down with wins, uh, I think they probably flip-flop spots with TCU, maybe a little further down, maybe 16, 15, 16, 17 in there is probably what I would guess. Uh, yeah, let's see here. I'm trying to see a bunch of teams around them lost too. So it's tough. Like, uh, let's see, USC was one spot ahead of them and lost. Penn State was at 10 and lost. Uh, North Carolina State was at 15 and lost. Kansas State didn't play, was a little lower. So, yeah, I think TCU, TCU is going to jump all these teams that lost, I would think. So I think TCU probably jumps up to seven 
in the country. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State, they're going to fall behind Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah they're, they're probably going to be in the – yeah, I think Oklahoma State's going to fall in the 13-14 range. So I think TCU moves up to seven and Oklahoma State sits at 13-14, which I think is about right now. I mean, last week with the resume that Oklahoma State had, it was totally reasonable uh, for everybody to, to lose their minds when somebody voted them at 13. That feels about right this week. Yep, I think so. Let's get to some positives uh, for bullets and BBs. Uh, my first bullet's going to go to John Paul Richardson. Again, I, I mentioned this during the game. He has gone from valuable role player to an essential piece of the offense. I mean, how many tough catches did he make? That touchdown catch, it really was unbelievable. The guy was not only face guarding him about three inches from his face, was interfering with him and he somehow catches it with one hand on his chest. He, he was, he's just a ball player, man. He, he gets open on third down. Spencer looks his way on third downs and he, he really is becoming an essential piece to this offense. Cause you mentioned it, Brennan Presley kind of comes and goes, but JP Richardson's he's, he's a pretty much a constant in this offense. I thought he played really well. Yeah. He's been really steady. That's a good one. Uh, I like that for mine. Carson. I mean, it's tough. Nobody really massively stood out uh, to me. I'm looking through here. Uh, I mean, it was just kind of so-so. You know what I'm going to do, Carson? Tanner Brown, you get my bullet. I, I told everybody last week, stop taking your good kickers for granted. You know why Oklahoma State was around? Because Tanner Brown went four for four. You know why TCU even had to earn it in the second overtime? Because after you lose 10 yards, Tanner Brown goes out and drills a 52-yarder. Tanner Brown is an NFL kicker. There are a handful of teams in the NFL who would absolutely swap, swap their kicker right now for Tanner Brown. He is a good kicker, perfect on the season. Uh, and, you know, we all just take good kickers for granted. So on a day when when not a lot else really stood out, Tanner Brown was exceptional. He gets my bullet. Yeah, we can talk about him now that since OSU lost. I was kind of – I was giving him the no-hitter treatment. Just shh, don't mention right. it, don't mention it. But he deserves to be talked about because you're right. He he does look like an NFL kicker. He, he's a weapon, man. I mean, you get across the 50, you're, you're dang near in range. And – Sometimes that can be a dangerous thing when Mike Gundy has that his his disposal and his play calling, but you certainly he, he's not adverse to, to run the kick team out there when he doesn't have an NFL kicker. So you'd much rather have one than not. I, it's a pretty amazing story because he started kicking once Alex Hale got hurt, and now he's just he's he's sensational. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Dan Bailey. You know, Dan Bailey was a former walk on, uh, much like Tanner Brown. And they seem to be on similar trajectories in terms of what they can do on the field, kicking the football. And I thought he was nails. And you're right, that last overtime kick, I mean, that would have been good from, what, 60? I mean, he, he nailed that thing. It was, it was an incredible kick. Um, another bullet for me, oh, who, who should we go with here? I wanted to say someone on defense, but, you know, the things kind of fell apart there late. But I know Spencer's numbers won't look great, but I thought he battled, man. I know you could tell he was hurt. And look, he he wasn't perfect. I didn't think the offense gave him much of a chance, especially the I went those last two drives, you go back and watch it, Colby. It almost didn't matter kind of what they called late on on those, some of those obvious passing downs because they were just all over him. And I, I thought they did kind of hold Dominic Richardson on one of the screen passes they tried to set up. The guy kind of just grabbed Richardson. But I'll give it to Spencer for gutting it out because he played awesome in the first half to build the lead. And I just thought that the play calling combined with just, you know, the overall game plan kind of kind of warmed down in the end. But I'll give it to Spencer because I thought he – it was cool seeing his mom getting all the camera time she got. She was she was willing him on to the win. But uh, 
Spencer can play quarterback for my team anytime, man. He, he's he's tough as hell, and it just it didn't work out. Yeah, and again, I you kind of alluded to this, and we've talked about it some. Thought he played really well until he was put in a tough spot in that fourth quarter, and and that was late in the game. He had been hit at that point. He looked so much slower as he scrambled out of the pocket. As he ran. he looked so much slower in the fourth quarter than he did in the first quarter. The uh, the the underthrow to Brayden Johnson that turned into an interception. I went back and watched it. I mean, he looked like he was trying to sling it, and the arm just wasn't there. So I thought that he did enough to put you in a position to win that game, and then you kind of really didn't reward that uh, as a staff there in the second half. So I, I don't totally hate that with Spencer. Uh, Carson, nationally for a bullet, I, I really, even without what happened with Oklahoma State, I, I wanted to give one to Kyle Whittingham. I just so well coached. His team falls behind early to USC, uh, a game that Utah was favored in by like four and a half points, um, a, a game that a lot of people, you thought Utah would win. I, I kind of thought USC would win. Uh, and it looked early like USC was going to just absolutely get after him. And they battled back. And Carson, the, the guts to go for two, which is the right call whenever the other team's rolling and you can't stop them. That was a high-scoring game. So Kyle Whittingham, uh, I thought, coached incredibly well. I thought he was aggressive, and he did what he needed to do uh, for his team to get a big win. So Kyle Whittingham, I, I just I watched that whole game last night, and I loved the way he coached that football game. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best coaches in the country. He reminds me so much of, of Mike and what he's built at OSU, just – Year in, year out, they're a tough out. Even though they had two losses, I, they were favored by three and a half in that game. That tells you how much respect people have for Utah and, and his program. That was the right call. And I thought I thought Mike could have made that call too and probably should have. Uh, one more bullet and then we'll get to BB's. I thought Mr. Knuckle Punt time, uh, Tom Hutton, <laughs> once again, he just puts that, that, uh, that oblong knuckleball into effect and the guys just can't catch it. And Sonny Dykes said after the game that he's never seen that guy drop a punt in practice, let alone a game. And he, he referenced Tom Hutton being a rugby style kicker and being left footed. He said that puts just a weird rotation on it. And he said they tried to simulate it in practice. That's how much of a factor Tom Hutton has become in the punting game. Opposing teams are having to set out practice time to handle just how difficult his punts are to catch it, especially he pinned him deep several times as well, in addition to the fumble. He's a weapon. The, the Tanner Brown and Tom Hutton are weapons, man, and they, he gets a bullet from me. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Oklahoma State special teams is big time. They played well again yesterday, so that was good. Uh, Carson, I'm going to move on to uh, my BB. Pardon me. My BB is going to the offensive coaching staff for Oklahoma State. That's Mike Gundy. That's Casey Dunn. I uh, Boy, it, it got as bland as bland can get in that game. I, I was so disappointed uh, with what looked like a, a lack of confidence in your offense. You, you just, I, I thought you really told your offense yesterday that you didn't trust them to, to go, to go score again and really put that game away because you could have put that game away. And I, I just thought a, a decision was made not to, uh, it was bland, no creativity, no, no, no going out of your way to get the ball into your best player's hands. Uh, no sending your other running backs out there for a change of pace, more of a speed look. I, I just thought it was, uh, yeah, I, I've given this staff a lot of praise. I think it's a great staff. Uh, I thought they had a bad day, so they get my BB. Yeah, and you look at just some of the best offensive performances dating back to last year. Brennan Presley's integral to those performances. And I thought you you referenced it very well. He was just not a factor after the first couple of drives. And that's something they also need to, to figure out. 
they have to scheme him better. They have to get him the football and, and a myriad of, and he can touch the ball in so many different ways, reverses, short passes, deep passes. He's, he's a baller, man. He's one of your best players. And I thought that was a huge factor. And I think that's kind of my general takeaway from this performance in this game, Colby, is what you mentioned is I thought we had come far enough. I thought Mike and Spencer had come to the point where it was complete trust, you know, training wheels are off, go in the game. You're my quarterback. You're, you've played a ton of football, go in the game and, and let Spencer cook. Now it's hard to cook with one arm tied behind your back. <laughs> like his, his shoulder was, I, I, I grant you that. But I thought we had, I thought we were past this point. And that's kind of just where I really struggled with this game. It, this was kind of like a bad nightmare or like a recurring nightmare that we had seen from several years ago where they build a lead, they just run it up the middle and punt and just hope that's going to be enough. And it's just, and they don't trust the quarterback because they're afraid he's going to make a mistake and it gets you beat and scared money. Don't make none as Sam Presti once eloquently said. And I thought that's the most disappointing thing for me. If you go out on your sword, you know, slinging it all over the rock, like they were in the first quarter, fine. TC was the better team. Tip your cap. But when you don't pull out of the, all the stops yourself, that's when it, that's when it's hard to, to take and hard to stomach as, as someone who follows OSU football. And that, that to me is kind of where I landed on, on the whole game. So they, they get my BB as well. Real quick, real quick. So it's like you said, it's like they stopped because of the injury because they knew Spencer wasn't a hundred percent. He was hurt. He wasn't dead. I mean, after you give up the lead, you've got to go out there in overtime, fourth and nine. He looked okay on fourth and nine, slinging it 25 yards down the field to Braden Johnson. He looked okay on the uh, first and 20 play in the second overtime. Somebody on the, the YouTube said, talk about our receivers and their rock hands that they had yesterday. I mean, he looked okay on the first and 20 throw that would have set up a second and one, and, and Braden Johnson just, I, he just can't catch it. So, yeah, uh, again, Spencer was hurt. You got to trust him. If he's your guy, you've got to trust him and you've got to let him win you the football game. Uh, and like you said, they didn't do that. Yeah. That, that Braden Johnson drop was, was huge, obviously. Um, but I think they had, they had already lost the game at that point. I mean, it, it, it was too far gone at that point. I, mean, I don't know. That's first possession, second overtime. Cause if he catches that ball, that sets up second and one. So now if you can get a first down, I mean, there's still a chance Oklahoma state goes and scores there. And then you just never know because college football, you have to go for two now in the second overtime. If you get yours and then all of a sudden the pressure's on TCU to score eight. I, yeah. I think that that drop was massive. I, I still don't know that Oklahoma state would have won because I mean, again, you still got to go 16 yards. The offense was sputtering. The defense was struggling that they still might not win the game if Braden Johnson catches that. Uh, but I thought it was a big, big moment. Yeah, for sure. And Braden's had a few of those, let's be honest, throughout the season. And so that um, that was disappointing. Uh, another BB nationally, speaking of drops, Colby, did you see the Iowa State receiver Hutchinson drop the pass late against Texas? Carson, that's their best player. Oh, he's awesome. <laughs> what, what do you do? What do you do when your best player in the biggest moment just drops it? Not only that, he didn't have to fall down. He could have just kept running right through the football into the end zone. I, that's your best player. What do you tell your best player when he costs you the game? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. There's not much you can say, but I just thought that was a total gift to te Texas. Came in that game sixteen and a half point favorites, riding high after beating OU. It would have been so Texas. They can't handle success, and that would have been a classic example because I think they win that game if if he goes in and, and scores that touchdown there. So that. That's my last BB. Uh, let's get to the Chris's University Spirit Uniform Review brought well, to you by Chris's University Spirit. I had a BB I have to throw out, Carson. Oh, okay, go ahead. One, one final BB. The SEC, 
52-49, flag football conference, baby. Where's the defense? It's embarrassing. Where's the defense, Carson? Put flags on them. Somebody tackle. Oklahoma State and TCU, nobody can stop anybody. Takes two overtimes to get to the 40s. USC and Utah, absolute track meet, 43-42, 52-49 in the big SEC. But it's funny how the narrative isn't going to change. Two best teams in the SEC match up. Two of the three, Georgia as well, match up. And they can move the ball all over the field on each other. Well, that's just great offense. We're doing the Big 12. All of a sudden, it's bad defense. Flag football conference. I saw the tweet actually verbatim. There's just nothing the defenses can do. This is great offense. the SEC. Whereas when that happened, when Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield were lighting it up and, and Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield were lighting it up, it was just, ah, oh, well, these defenses stink. It wasn't the fact that they had – NFL quarterbacks on the field just, you know, doing what they do. It's just – it's annoying, and it's so predictable, and it's it's just – it's complete nonsense. But it is what it is, I guess. Uh, let's get to Chris's University Spirit Uniform Review, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. What do you think of uh, Patriot Pete on the, uh, the matte black helmet with the stripe, Colby? Uh, I thought it looked great. I, I don't know that we'll see it again anytime soon since the uh, fate that it suffered in the fourth quarter and, and the overtimes, but I thought it looked great. The black-white-black look is a really clean look. Uh, it still doesn't top the curse of Cowboys for me, but it was new. It was fun. I thought it was a good look. I meant to mention on the show last last time we did this that it, it was it was almost time for a new helmet. Like They'd created so many new ones, and they usually bust out one or two new ones a year. I thought it was about that time, and they they certainly hit it. I, I liked it. I like Patriot Pete. I like the, the stripe. To me, just makes the helmet, that stripe they've come up with, no matter if you got Curse of Cowboys, you got the brand, you got Patriot Pete. And uh, my dad hated it because he he only wants to see the brand. or And he's he's warmed up to Curse of Cowboys. He Let me read the uh, the text he sent me on the, the helmets. I, I put out his postgame thoughts. He He was not happy. Uh, first, he said, "We're after we go up 30-16 to 16 at 125 of the third quarter, we run 17 plays for 32 yards, not counting overtime. Is that TCU playing lights-out defense, or is that some conservative play calling? I'll go with the, the latter. But his order of OSU helmets, uh, number one, black or white, that's a tie. Three is orange. Number four, nothing else ever. Uh, logo, number one, he wants the brand. Two, Curse of Cowboys. Three, the badge. He hasn't let go of the badge, even though they don't oh, wear that anymore. Okay. He said nothing else ever is number four. So he, he doesn't want Pistol Pete anywhere near the helmet. So um, I thought it looked great. I thought it looked awesome. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of if, – if you're going to put Pistol Pete on a helmet, I like Patriot Pete. I don't like Little Bo Pete with just his head. I don't like Scary Pete with just his head. I don't like Gargantuan Pete that takes up the whole chrome orange helmet. I'm good with Patriot Pete. I thought it looked good. And Black, White, Black is one of their best road looks. I'm good with Patriot Pete. Uh, Curse of Cowboys for me has to be at number one, uh, but I'm good with Patriot Pete. I don't like the massive Pete or like the, 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 what was it, like silver, like silhouette Pete that they did. I don't mind just like the classic floating head Pete, uh, but Curse of Cowboys, Patriot Pete. Actually, I would go Curse of Cowboys, then the brand, then Patriot Pete, uh, and then floating head Pete. Do you have a point spread on uh, Oshu, Texas? Yeah. Uh, I don't have one in front of me, but I can look. I can see if I can get one. Would think what, Texas, what do you think it's going to be? I would think Texas favored by three. Texas by three. 
Uh, everybody nationally loves Texas. They're coming in on a couple of wins. By the way, Carson, I saw this on Twitter earlier. Uh, I can't remember if I said the fourth or the fifth. This is the fourth or the fifth time in a row, season in a row, that Oklahoma State will be coming into its homecoming game off a loss. Really? Yeah, Randa. I do not have a line for OSU Texas at, at my site. So if I had to guess. Scores, okay, go ahead and guess. I got one from scores and odds. Yeah, I think you're pretty close with where you're at with Texas. Um, man, I think that's going to be – I think nationally people just love Texas. I think it's going to be a little more. I think it's going to be like four and a half, five. OSU minus two and a half. Whoa. According to scores okay. and odds. Uh, I, okay. think, I think that's Vegas watching the game, seeing that OSU controlled Baylor, controlled a really good TCU team on the road and OSU's at home. And if they just run their offense, get a little healthier on the offensive line, I think Vegas expects OSU to win the game. And because clearly that's them wanting all the Texas money to just load up against Oklahoma state is how that looks to me. Now I think that line's going to move drastically. I think it'll be Texas minus three, maybe by tomorrow, honestly. So I think that'll change, but I thought that was interesting that it opened OSU minus two and a half. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. You look at Texas. Texas doesn't have a quality win on its schedule yet. They got the big boost in the polls when they beat the worst OU team that has probably taken the field in our lifetimes uh, whenever Gabriel was out last week. Iowa State, they struggle with. Had multiple chances to lose that game. If Xavier Hutchinson makes the the, the catch, then there's a decent chance uh, that they lose that game. If the targeting call gets made in, in Texas versus Iowa State, there's a decent chance that Texas loses that game. Carson, we talked last week about the flaws with the targeting rule and guys having to sit out the first half. You know what the other flaws with the targeting rule are? We saw it yesterday in Texas, Iowa State, and in Alabama, Tennessee. There's no consistency to how it's called. No consistency to how it's called. Bryce, Bryce Young, he gets popped in the helmet. I mean, the hit could be put side-by-side side with Kendall Daniels from a week ago at the point of impact. They look exactly the same. Kendall Daniels gets flagged. Kid from Tennessee doesn't. Iowa State, Texas, quarterback's going down. Guy comes in, and, and this, unlike Kendall Daniels, this guy actually had to get super low to lead with his head. He had to lead with his head at about thigh, thigh height, and he did. No targeting. So in, in addition to the penalties, the inconsistency in the way that it's called, another big problem with the targeting rule. Yeah, apparently the AP poll is out. I haven't seen oh. it yet. But I thought somebody said we were like 11 in the coaches, maybe. Okay, no, somebody said we're 11 in the AP. It just came out. Okay, 11 in the AP, 11 in the coaches. That's not bad. I thought they'd drop further than that. But you're right. A lot of teams lost around them, which that, that certainly helps. So, yeah, you, you beat Texas this week at home. You're right back in the thick of everything. Big 12 title, playoff. Uh, I think – I think what we're seeing here, Colby, is Bama and Georgia, Georgia maybe to an extent, but Bama is not vintage, going to run the table, Bama. And I think Georgia's kind of fooled around a little bit this year. They struggled a little bit with Kent State. They're getting kind of bored. I think this is shaping up to be one of those years where a two-loss team has a chance. You know, a two-loss team can can get in the playoff fairly easily, depending on the way everything else breaks. But – Long way to go. Oh, she's got a long way to go. And you mentioned it. The Texas game is the only game at home of a four-game stretch. That's pretty pretty brutal. And ultimately, we'll, de- we'll decide the, uh, the season for Oklahoma State. But OU, clearly much better with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. They they pretty much blew out Kansas. And it ended up a 10-point game. But they, that game was never really in doubt for them. So 
as I mentioned, Colby, oh, you will probably figure it out by the time Bedlam rolls around. Uh, they'll certainly be a better team than they were early in the season. Brian Teague on YouTube says, I think Kansas goes five and seven, losing seven straight. Thoughts? They already played Iowa State. They already played West Virginia. Got beat by Oklahoma. I mean, they've, they've got a bunch of tough teams on the schedule. I, they, five and seven is very much in the cards for Kansas, yes. And that's still a, like a smashing success. Yeah, them. but it, it's going to sting a little bit more if they lose seven straight to get there. Well, yeah, I mean, they go they go to Waco, OSU at home, to Lubbock, Texas at home, to Manhattan. I mean, they could – I would probably pick them to, to lose four of those, maybe maybe all five they lose in Lubbock. So, yeah, I, I think Jalen Daniels not playing is, was a crusher. I mean, we saw what happened to OU without their starter. We know what would happen with OSU without Spencer. So, that's just – I think that caveat's really important. But, yeah, that if they get him back, who knows? You know what's interesting to me? Oklahoma State was a spot behind TCU. Pardon me. Oklahoma State was a spot behind USC in the AP poll last week. Both teams go on the road, face conference opponents, both four-and-a-half-point underdogs before kick. One loses 43-40 to 40 in double overtime. The other loses 43-42 in regulation. Oklahoma State now ahead of USC in the polls. Interesting. Yeah, Oklahoma State at 11, USC at 12. So, for some reason, the voters felt better about Oklahoma State in relation to USC than they did a week ago, despite both teams suffering an almost identical fate yesterday. Well, you look at who they lost to. I mean, USC lost to a two-loss Utah team that lost to a really poor Florida team. True, true. And OSU lost to an undefeated TCU team that has one of the best offenses in the country. And they they played, you know, they led by 14 points going into the fourth quarter. So, Credit to the pollsters. I think they got that right. Although, you know how it was a bad weekend, Colby? I actually agreed with something Don Williams said on Twitter. Oh, yikes. He was ripping. Uh, he's like, does anyone wear more ridiculous uniforms for no reason than TCU? And, of course, the TCU fans just roasted him. But I got to agree. I mean, black's not a school color. They just they only wear black because they don't want to wear purple and white, which I certainly understand. But And then they got the red numbers with the red. Hell, it's just It's all bad. It is all bad. Yes, it is all bad. Uh, I tell you what, man. Caleb Williams is really good. That was just a fun game to watch last night. Cameron Rising is pretty good. I was yep. watching I was watching college football yesterday, and I'm like, here's an OU transfer QB lighting it up. Here's an OU transfer QB lighting it up. Boom, boom, boom. Tanner Mordecai down at SMU. I was watching his highlights. They were cutting in to show him running into the end zone. Uh, yeah, that was a fun football game last night. So, have you watched much USC this year? Uh, no, I've watched all of one game, which was last night against Utah. And it was a lot of fun. It'll make you hate USC. Like they have these four or five dudes on the sideline, twirling towels the whole time, talking smack to the other team. Caleb Williams, every time he runs the ball or does anything, he like gets in the face of whoever makes the tackle. He just, he, it's like Buki on steroids. Remember Buki played at OU and all he did was talk oh, smack. Yeah. Like their, their whole team, like Mario will like, if you watch one USC game, it will wear you out every single play. They're getting in somebody's face talking smack instead of just playing football. It's just – it makes them extremely unlikable. Like, I have no reason to dislike USC. I have no connections to USC. I don't much care for Lincoln Riley, but I was just watching a good football game, and I found myself going, what is USC's problem? Why, why are they just talking smack after every single play? It just – it wore me out. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All in all, good college football weekend. Uh, real quick, I know it's football season, but this is an Oklahoma State podcast. Carson, Ricky was this close. He was close, man. He 
So I'll say this. He switched back to Butch Harmon. It was announced prior to the start of this season, which started in September. Uh, he's played three events since switching back to Butch Harmon. He's got two top tens. All of last season, Carson, Ricky Fowler had one top ten. So he's trending in the right direction. I, I don't know why Tiger ever went away from, from Butch Harmon, let alone Ricky Fowler. And he was – I mean, he was about to lose his card. I mean, I know he has all those exemptions that were keeping his status alive, but clearly that's made a huge difference. He also got a new caddy. Uh, I thought that was time. Sometimes those caddy relationships, they just kind of run their course. You need a kind of a fresh voice. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on Ricky, but, man, those, those Sunday struggles are, are real. That, that's something that's plagued him a majority of his career. So that was disappointing, but it's, it's such an improvement on, on where he's been. So that was encouraging to see for sure. Yep. A lot of fun. Good stuff. Uh, did we miss anything, Carson? I think we've got it covered. I think that's it. Just overall thoughts for me, disappointing end. Uh, I thought they had so many chances to step on TCU's throat and didn't take it. I thought the conservative zone reads up the middle were a joke. I mean, the, the first down 16, I think it was 13 carries for 26 yards. It wasn't working. They need to adjust and get Nixon on the outside, more outside zone running game schemes, and just overall revamping of what they want to do. Because when you don't have your starting center, running up the gut isn't going to work. It didn't work, and they kept trying it. I don't understand. But I am encouraged because, again, that game was playing out much like I thought. I thought OSU was the better team in all three phases. They were through three quarters. And you can't keep running your defense out there and going three and out on offense and expect your defense to hold up, especially against an offense like that with the weapons they have at receiver and at running back position. So disappointing loss. I'm still encouraged where this team can go. I just think they need to get a little healthier on the offensive line. Spencer needs to heal up and they need to let Spencer cook because I thought they did him a a disservice on Saturday in Fort Worth. Yeah, I think so too. I agree with just about everything you said there. I I just – when you're playing against a team averaging 46 points a game and with a full quarter of football left up two touchdowns, you just volunteer to stop scoring, man, you're doing them a big favor. Oklahoma State did TCU a big favor. Oklahoma State volunteered to stop scoring at the start of that fourth quarter. Uh, that, that quarter was tough to watch. It really was. Hopefully uh, this doesn't snowball. Hopefully Oklahoma State bounces back next weekend. This this wasn't going to be a 12-0 team, but – Gold's still in front of them. Go win the Big 12 championship. Uh, get to Jerry's world. Win the Big 12 championship. See what you can do. So, good stuff, Carson. We appreciate everyone joining us on the YouTube. Audio will be out as a podcast as well. Uh, Chance Raven was got hopped in late, asked if we'd already talked about the officials. If you missed anything, go back and listen to the audio. Uh, we appreciate everybody hanging and out. You can, with us you can rewind on YouTube. I think you can rewind it. Oh, can you? I think. Oh. I think, I think since it's live, you can, yeah, you can just yeah. scroll back. How about that? Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Wait for the audio to be posted. You can just scroll back here on YouTube and watch it again. Right. Win-win. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Carson, good work. We'll talk to you all later in the week. Preview Texas. As always, go Pokes.